Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 807 of the Juicebox Podcast. I didn't understand when I began recording this episode that it would be an after dark, but I've I've given it that distinction because the person we're going to be speaking with today suffered a number of different abuses throughout their life in the past, and they get spoken about. And I like to put stories like that in the after dark category so people know what to expect. So in a few minutes, we're going to speak with Kelly. She's the mother of a few children. One of them has type 1 diabetes a bunch of autoimmune stuff in her family and some different issues with her son and herself. You're going to hear about it all as the conversation unfolds. While you're listening, please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise. Always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan or becoming bold with insulin. If you have type 1 diabetes or are the caregiver of someone with type 1 and are a U.S. resident, please head over to t1dexchange.org forward slash juice box. Join the registry, complete the survey. It will not take long. And once you've done that, you're helping to move type 1 diabetes research forward right from the comfort of your home. This show is sponsored today by the glucagon that my daughter carries, Gvoke Hypopen. Find out more at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Touched by Type 1. They're a great organization helping people with type 1 diabetes. Check them out, touchedbytype1.org, or find them on Facebook and Instagram. And lastly today, but certainly not least, this episode of the Juice Box Podcast is sponsored by InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. If you're looking for a way to give yourself insulin that's not through a pump, but you'd like some of the features that pumps offer, you want to find the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes at InPenToday.com. My name is Kelly. I am a neurodivergent mom of a neurodivergent child who is also a type 1. And I also have two other kids. All right, Kelly. And you've got me Googling immediately. That's fine. I feel like neurodivergent is a new fancy word for something I already know. Yes. It is, right? Yes. Neurodiversity, neurodivergence, neurovariance refers to variations in human brain and cognition, for instance, in sociability, learning, attention, mood, and other mental fluctuations, functions, (laughs) fluctuations, functions, sorry. Um, In the case of you, how does that how does that? So I have diagnosed ADHD and dyslexia, and I'm currently looking into the process to see if I may be slightly autistic. Okay. What, what, what about you made you want to look into that? Um, my social awkwardness and my inability to, um, take social cues from people. Like I just am horrible at reading facial and body cues. Okay. And um, I tend to be, I am overly friendly and I, I am awkward, extremely (laughs) awkward. Okay. Is that, 
Oh, Kelly, by the way, when we were talking before we were recorded, you were so boisterous, and now you're, like, demure, <laughs> so oh. I, which is fine, well, but I might ask you to put the mic back a little bit to your mouth. Oh, okay. That's well, awesome. I think I was running around a little bit. <laughs> yeah, bring the mic. Because with, with my neurodivergence, I had written you down for the 30th, and then all of a sudden, I got, like, a, a little thing on my phone, and I was like, oh, it's today. <laughs> so, oops. Um. So how old are you? I am 48 okay. this October. Is anything about your social awkwardness been an impediment in your life? Um, Relationship-wise, extremely. I don't have um, – I don't really manage to maintain relationships at all. Um, and that can be ADHD. But I also tend to – I just – I just can't deal with people's stuff. It's draining and too hard. Okay. It's, it's too hard for me. So one thing at a time, you can't deal, you can't seem to hold relationships together, but you're married. Do you mean like, like friendly relationships? Yeah. Okay. Friends. Is that because people back away from you eventually or you get overwhelmed by them and back away from them? I believe, um, there's something called, uh, I, I don't know if I say it right. Um, I lose my words a lot. That's the ADHD. Well, there's a, there's this issue where you're, you do a lot of masking. And so you're, you read people and then you try to pretend to be what they want, or you take, take up, um, you take up behaviors that you think somebody else likes, you know, mm -hmm. and over time, when you get really comfortable, it kind of falls away and people aren't cool with that. And then you're come off as harsh or what, how do you think you come off to people when you stop masking? I had somebody tell me I was frigid. Okay. Um, and was that a dating situation? No, no, it was a business relationship. Oh, okay. I used to work with people. So, um, so it, it it was like they liked me, like me, like me, and then like f four to six months later, I'm too analytical. I'm too book books and numbers, and I have no interpersonal relationship issue. I have just no ability to relate to people. Mm -hmm. That's and it's very lonely. Okay, what? Why is it work with your husband? How long have you been married? I've been married fifteen years. Um. Because I never, ever masked with him. Okay. I don't think I, I've just never been anybody who, other than who I am. Why do you think you didn't do that? Oh, I could tell you that story. Oh, if it's a story, then perfect. It's a good story. I, um, I do have friends that I managed to keep who understand me, um, but um, I went on, I had an employee tell me that she thought I needed to get out and she was my friend. And so she said, hey, meet me out here for dinner. You look terrible. You haven't been taking care of yourself. And I had been sick. And so I went to meet her and then she tells me halfway on my way that, by the way, I'm on a blind date with this guy <laughs> and you're just my, um, forgive me, he, um, my safety net mm -hmm. because who knows? He might be a murderer. <laughs> well, then, if listen, if he is a murderer, 
then you, who have not been taking care of yourself and have been sick, will be a perfect sidekick for this scenario. You'll just... I know, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, here's the thing. I'm a six-foot-tall redhead, so I tend to intimidate a lot of people. <laughs> I might look sickly, sir, but I can fight. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so it was that kind of thing. And uh, in the process of sitting there at a bar... Um, getting drinks and stuff. My friend told her date um, that she was sitting with her six foot tall redheaded friend. And then um, the date and I got along really well. Okay. I see. And seven days later, he asked me to marry him. And two months later, we were married. That was 15 years ago. Uh, yeah. yeah December 28th. Right around there, huh? When I met him. Yep. Was she upset? Um, because it's possible, I, Kelly, you're confusing neurodivergence for stealing people's men. <laughs> that people. could be that could be a little bit of a problem too. But I don't want to, you know, yank my own train on that one. Um, uh, <laughs> I think it's blow my own horn, but I got gotcha. you. Well, you're right. <laughs> anyway, you're right. See, ADHD is fun. Um. Uh, she, it, it, it commenced like this. I told him he was a player and he took my phone and called his phone from it at the dinner while she went away to do something. And I said, you're on a date with my friend. I'm sorry. This is a bad idea. And then the next day he called me at my job because mm-hmm. he knew where we both worked. And, uh, he's like, it's okay with her. I talked to her and I was like, Really? That's really bold. Yeah. And uh, then she called me and said, go out with him. <laughs> and I said, okay. <laughs> Still weird. How do you get, okay. how do you get proposed to in seven days? I don't know. I don't know. Oh. I wouldn't even kiss him for four. Kelly, I think you know, and you don't want to say on a podcast. What do you think of that? It's okay. It's no, right. no, I swear to you. All right. I think it has everything to do with us just spending a lot of time talking. And um, I wouldn't kiss him. I wouldn't, you know, do anything with him because I just have to add this to you. I had this huge, like, cold sore on my mouth. During the <laughs> and I looked. I had a hideous cold sore on my mouth. I looked like I was dying. I had pneumonia. I wasn't just sick. <laughs> I was sick. All right, Kelly, I got to figure this out here. Uh, and forgive me for being blunt. Do you have great cans? What's going on exactly? Something. I do. Ha- oh, do you? Okay. <laughs> I do. I am. I'm not just a six foot tall redhead. I'm, I was a really hot six foot tall. I, I modeled in the 80s and 90s. So, okay. I, All right. I, I'm not. I'm very pretty. I see what happened. Okay, now I understand better. I mean, I'm trying to figure out. You're not touch. You're not kissing him. You're you're just talking, and then you're getting married. And I'm like, I don't understand what's happening here. But I've seen there was a lot of cuddling. Oh, all right. That's about it. What kind of a player cuddles? The one who realizes the girl he's out with has a fever and she can't keep standing. (laughs) That's very kind. Oh, okay. All right. So he is very kind. So you, but you didn't, you know, there were no errors about anything. You didn't pretend to be somebody different or do what he likes or something like that, which by the way, it's, I don't, I know nothing about this world, but there's a, there's half of my brain here that's saying, 
if masking who you are on a date is autism, then every girl I've ever met is autistic. So, you know, well, like, no, masking is ADHD, ADHD and autism. Excuse me. If it's anything is what I'm, uh, you know what I mean? Like if it's like, I just thought people put their best foot forward generally. Like you're telling a story that I've heard before told like this. I met a guy. Uh, I pretended to like, you know, like what he liked. Eventually it came out that I didn't care about basketball and we broke up. And then one day I was out with my friend, not looking to date, acting like myself. And he liked me. Pretty much. Right. But that's Sounds... ADHD. I have ADHD. Yeah. Okay. But I'm not saying you don't have ADHD. I'm saying that's a function of it. Well, ADHD, a lot of times you're, um, well, for me, um, you have spatial issues. So my klutziness has a lot to do with my spatial issues. I could just walk into a wall and I, it's like, I don't know how that wall got there, so, <laughs> but I did it. Kelly, I used to walk into corners. Like when I turned corners going from room to room, I would always brush into the edge of the wall. Yeah, that's a spatial issue. Yeah. And then one day I said to myself, hey, stop doing that. And I've never done it since. Like, literally, it was a thing. Like, I would close cut the walls, my turns, and I would always, like, be bumping my shoulder on walls. And one day, I remember stopping myself and saying, this is ridiculous. Don't do this anymore. And I don't think it's happened to me in 15 years. <laughs> so, um, I don't know. Like, I'm fascinated by this. Because you're, you, you and anyone else who has ADHD or whatever partly describes, I mean, I don't know. Like, like losing a word. Give me more examples of what ADHD is. That's what I need. Well, there's all different people. For, for I mean, you. Different people have. Yeah, but for, for me. For you, yeah. I will get into a conversation with somebody and I will veer off into another direction and tell a whole other story with a severe, like when I'm telling the story, mm-hmm. my emotions build up yeah. real easy. And then I get emotional and like react and I'm, I tend to be. And then I'll lose my words when I'm trying to, when I get flustered Yeah. Like, with names. I'm horrible with names, but I know the people's faces and uh, I can't, I have trouble. I'll reread the same sentence over and over and over and over again on something. And if I'm not interested in it, I just can't Okay. even, it won't come in my head. I can't, it's like, it's like I'm speak. I'm reading Latin, mm-hmm. you know, and it just, I can't understand it. It's like a foreign language all of a sudden. Are, are you? But then, I'm sorry. I just want to check to make sure you're okay. If we keep talking about this, because I don't, I'm not, I'm, I'm going to come off like I'm minimizing what you're saying, but I'm not, I'm just trying to have a conversation around it. You're describing me. I don't have ADHD. How do you know? Why would it matter? Is my question. I guess I'm 50. I own a house. I have kids. Everybody's happy. They're safe. We pay the bills. And once in a while, I look somebody in the face and don't remember their name, and I tell stories, and I can get emotional while I'm talking. Is that a problem? It's not a problem, but it's a problem when you're in an environment with a lot of people and they don't um, accept you. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand that. I really do. But but what's the difference between that? I'm going to, you're going to help me um, if you can. You're going to explain things to me I don't understand. What's the difference between that and me being, uh, I don't know, I'm just going to try to make something random up. Like, what if I was just a person who just talks about basketball? I have no other real interests. I love basketball so much. Basketball is what I talk about. I go to my job 
And every time I'm in a social setting, I bring up basketball. Turns out nobody in the office likes basketball. And because of that, they don't talk to me as much. Um, what's the difference? For you, you don't realize they, they don't like it. Who like? Here's the question. Who cares if they don't like basketball? I love basketball. See, that who cares thing, Right. that happens over time, doesn't it? No, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I've been like this my whole life. I, I, I'm fairly comfortable with who I am. And I have met people who really like me, kind of like me, and don't like me. And I tend not to talk to the people who don't like me. But that's never once made me think that I have a social disorder. Well. So I'm trying to figure out what makes what made it a problem for you enough that you had to say to yourself, I need to go speak to somebody to find out what's happening because I'm having that much trouble. Like well, I was diagnosed as a six-year-old. Okay. In the what? How and old? I'm sorry. You're 48? I couldn't communicate. I wasn't taking up speech. I wasn't, um, I didn't have the same skills other children did. And I was different and I needed somebody to help me do the things that other people did. Thank you. This and is the for stuff. me. I'm sorry. This I had is to the be, stuff I want to understand. Thank you. I'm sorry. Go ahead. For me, I had to take Ritalin um, from the age of, I think, uh, six to, I took it till I was 14 mm-hmm. to be able to even focus on anything because somebody would come talk to me and they'd be talking about one thing. And then all of a sudden my mind would go somewhere else and I'd bring up something else and they'd be like, are you listening to me? Mm-hmm. Or if they tell me, you know, uh, I had a really rough day and uh, my boss really sucked. And then I would tell them, well, I've been through that. And I would give them a story and they thought that I was narcissistic and trying to hijack the conversation when I was just trying to empathize with them. Mm-hmm. Because um, one of the ways people with ADHD and autism tend to tell their own personal story to say, hey, I'm with you. I understand what you're saying. Right. It's not, it's the only way we know how to interact. And for other people, they either think you're a narcissist or that you're not right in the head. What if they're the narcissist? What if they're telling oh, you? I, I know some. <laughs> but, but, but no, first of all, but listen, if someone comes up to you, do you, this whole podcast, by the way, is people telling me stories and me relating things that I've gone through back to them, right? And mm-hmm. so in this setting, that's expected. It's a conversation. I think in life, it's expected. It's also like, if someone comes up to you and says, oh my gosh, this thing happened to me and I'm terribly upset by it and I can't dig myself out of this hole and you're listening to them and think, well, I would like to help them. I've been through something similar let me explain it to them, like how it happened to me, and then maybe they'll grab some commonality from it, or maybe I've made a decision they haven't made that they'll find valuable, and you tell them your story back. If that person was then to say, I can't believe you're trying to make this about you, I think it's yeah. possible they have the problem, not you. Well, it's just how it's every conversation you have. So so, so no matter what happens, if if... So if I came up to you and I was like, I love this Yellowstone. It's on the Paramount Plus. Have you seen it? And you, you, instead of going, I have not seen Yellowstone or I have seen Yellowstone and I enjoyed it. You will say, I watch a TV show too that I really like and then tell them about it. Is that the vibe? Pretty much. Yeah. Okay. All right. You were really helping me understand this because, and because 
I think people say vague things when they're describing complex issues and we never get down to the real reason. Like, like the stuff you told me in the beginning, I was like, okay, these are the things I've heard people say before, but where, like, how does it really, really impact you? Like that's, that's what I'm, I'm very pleased that you're able to explain to me. So thank you very much. So six years old, although may I say you grew up right during the Ritalin revolution, the Ritalin revolution. So you could have grown up at a different time and somebody wouldn't have given you Ritalin. Correct. Did it slow you down? Oh my God. So taking Ritalin for me was like taking a pill that gave me constant tiredness and depression. But you could, but you didn't change the subject in a, in a conversation anymore as a six year old. No, I would still change the subject in the conversation, but I, I wouldn't sit there and have a million different topics going on in my head. Like right now I'm staring at my microwave wondering why is that metal over there, this silver and the other one is that silver. And it's just popping in my head right now while I'm talking to you and I can't get it to leave me alone. Okay. That's interesting. Um, Why do you think they're two different colors of silver? What's occurring to you right now? Givoc Hypopen has no visible needle and is a premixed auto-injector of glucagon for treatment of very low blood sugar in adults and kids with diabetes ages 2 and above. Find out more. Go to gvoglucagon.com forward slash juice box. Gvoke shouldn't be used in patients with insulinoma or pheochromocytoma. Visit gvoglucagon.com slash risk. If you don't want to use an insulin pump, but you wish you had some of the features that insulin pumps offer, you should take a look at the InPen from Medtronic Diabetes. See, what the InPen is, it's an insulin pen that speaks to an app on your phone. And it gives you, like I said, a lot of functionality. For instance, current glucose. You can see your current levels after pairing your continuous glucose monitor to the InPen app. In that same app, you can see meal history, your dosing history, an activity log, a dosing calculator that calculates the optimal dose for meals and corrections using current glucose and active insulin levels. Your active insulin remaining, of course, shows you how much insulin is still working in your body. And if you'd like to see your glucose trends over time, the app has that information as well. It even lets you generate reports for you to look at or your physician. And reports can be generated for up to 90 days of data. InPenToday.com. Head over there right now and get started. Pick around the website. You can uh, fill out the form, get started today. You can read about the dosing calculator. Learn more about the 24-hour technical support, hands-on product training, and online educational resources. And if you scroll to the bottom, you'll even see that you may pay as little as $35 for the InPen. Medtronic Diabetes doesn't want cost to be a roadblock to you. So this offer is available to people with commercial insurance and terms and conditions apply. But head over there right now and find out if you're eligible. InPenToday.com There are links in the show notes of your podcast player and links at JuiceBoxPodcast.com to all of the sponsors. When you use my links, you're supporting the show. InPen requires a prescription and settings from your healthcare provider. You must use proper settings and follow the instructions as directed, or you could experience high or low glucose levels. For more safety information, visit InPenToday.com. All right, let's get you back to Kelly. 
why do you think they're two different colors of silver? What What's occurring to you right now? It's, it's like more bent. It's bent as the, the light hits it and, and the, the silver on the stove is more flat. And they both were put in at the same time and they're the same company. And I don't understand. Wait, so one of them's re- now, reflecting the light differently, you think? Yeah, <laughs> there's that. Yeah. But it's the same company and it just looks completely different. And it makes me think that one has a different level of, I don't know, maybe a plastic polymer in it. Quality. Yeah. Right. Maybe they were just saving money somewhere. But I'll go off and I'll go look that up and try to figure it out. All right. Well, okay. And that's that's ADHD. All of a sudden, a whole other topic comes in your head. You lose everything you were discussing and you can't get away from it. So then you'll do something called hyper-focusing mm-hmm. and you'll take an interest in something which is extremely helpful when you're learning about your child. Interesting. And then, but, and you find this a problem. Like, I don't know what your day is like. or what. Hyper-focusing is not a problem for me okay. because then it's all, all, all that. But when I'm all, all, all that, my husband has said, you have to stop. You have to stop. There's other things to do. We have three kids. Please, gotcha. um, you know, you need to focus on other things and are you able to. to do that when he brings it up to you yes okay i am able to do that it's just um is it upsetting long- when somebody tries to break you away from your hyper focused activity it can be it can it's be. frustrating frustrating okay um all right i understand thank you kelly that was really well done. I, I appreciate I know that probably wasn't easy to do, and I appreciate you digging through it with me. So, you have three kids. They are how old? Um, uh, 13, mm-hmm. 11, and 8. 13, 11, and 8. And which one of them has type 1? My 11-year-old son. 11-year-old son. Okay. How long ago was he diagnosed? Um... So I go back and forth. I can't remember the exact year, but my father-in-law told me it was five years ago, January 17th. So he was six? Uh, And that's what I can't remember. I, for some reason, can't remember that that much. You know how I do Arden's diagnosis date? She was diagnosed when she was two. She'd only been two for a month. And she was born in 2004, so Arden was diagnosed in 2006. That's how I end up doing it. Because if you just had white years Arden diagnosed, I'd be like 2006. Like, I, it comes yeah. to me slower. So I'm, I'm basing my little one, she was two and, and um, a couple months. So, yeah, it was two. I think it was. Cool. Okay. So about six years old. Um, were there any other autoimmune issues in your family line? Yes. Okay. Oh, goodness, yes. Who, um, who and what? My mom has severe rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister has um, Hashimoto's. My yeah. other sister has ankylosing spondylitis. Ooh. My brother has rheumatoid arthritis. Um, I don't know about my little brother, um, but uh, yeah. And then who else? Oh, my mom is bipolar. I don't know. We go back. I, I listen to you a lot about that. Yeah. I mean, that's all actually all very interesting. So this is, so there's, 
you said your younger brother. I don't know because you don't know your younger brother, or just because you don't talk about it. We he stayed home when I left, and so I don't really have the best relationship. Gotcha. Um, should we it's, dig? It's, should we dig through that a little bit before we get to your son, or what do you think? You can uh-huh. absolutely go ahead because I was gonna. Um, it kind of like everything comes back to trauma. So, mm-hmm. well, well, and, how old were you when you started experiencing that at home? Trauma? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I remember being three years old and my mom was locked out of the house and trying to open the door and I couldn't get the door open and her screaming really nasty things at me. Um, and I, I realized she left me home while she went to the store. Okay. So she asleep. So you were a three-year-old asleep. Your mom went to the store, came home, and then couldn't talk you through unlocking the door, so she yelled at you. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mom was bipolar, you're saying? she's She was bipolar and um, borderline personality disorder. Okay. That's a lot. Which I only realized, learned recently from a social worker. By describing her to somebody who was able to say? No. No. Somebody who... Uh, interacted with her later in her life um, after she was, I don't know, that's a very complicated story. It doesn't matter, you but to- you, you, you figured it out somehow. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, your father, what was he in this situation? Um, he was a nice man who went to work at like 4 a.m. and came home at 10 p.m. And uh, he just couldn't put up with his wife and wouldn't give her the finances she needed because she was irresponsible with money. Um, and so he just avoided her like she was the plague. Okay. But didn't leave her. He didn't leave her until she forced the issue. Gotcha. How many kids now did they have together? Five. Five. Where are you in that line? Four. You're the fourth? Yep. Okay. Um, what so was the the wrath of her mostly yelling or was it other stuff? It depended on which child it was. My mom used to like to humiliate my um, just above me sister. She would just humiliate her and hit her in the most egregious ways. Like, and she she was unhappy with how my sister cleaned the bathroom. So at two o'clock in the morning, she pulled her out of her bed to clean it again. Mm. Yeah, that's uh, that sounds pretty classic, actually, for what was going on with your mom. Your mom was not getting any treatment, I imagine. Was she treating with alcohol or drugs, do you think? So, um, because my mom had severe, um, oh, God, I lost the word. What is that? Rheumatoid arthritis. Right. Um, she was doing a lot of experimental things that other doctors had given her and she was doing like, I mean, I remember she did a study on the MRI, like she volunteered to be one of the first people to lay in there and get tested on how to use an MRI on a person. And so she was always like a guinea pig trying to find a way to get, I mean, like when I say my mom was severely disabled, her hands were just so bent and swollen and, and her face, and she was on prednisone all the time, 24-7, which makes you aggressive and mm-hmm. irritable. Um, 
she was on so many drugs, methotrexate. Um, she had like seven different drugs, but I don't believe any of them dealt with her bipolar or um, I didn't at that time. I, I, I don't, I don't even think she completely knew she was bipolar. And if she, so she used to like, I remember when I was like three or four, she just went away for three months and didn't come back. Yeah. And we'd go visit her in a hospital. Okay. And then it happened again when I was like six. And uh, after she had my brother, I was six. Yeah. And um, it was just a lot of my father saying that one's not, she doesn't have ADHD. That's not real. And my mom, you, you need to get better. And what's wrong with you? It's not real. So your, your dad would say that, your mom's problems weren't real or that the kids' problems weren't real or everybody? All of us. Anything. All of us. He probably didn't have the bandwidth to talk about one more problem, I would imagine. Yeah. No, he did not. And he didn't, only till the more recent years, even acknowledge stuff like that. Yeah. Do do you still speak with him? My father passed away last year. Oh, I'm sorry. Um, Prior to that, were you in touch? Yes. Yeah. But with your mom? No. No. Okay. My mom passed away in 2015. Okay. And I really hadn't talked to her since my grandmother had passed away. I think I was 26 at the time when my grandmother passed away. I see. And the the time before that, I was 16. Oh, my gosh. So you left at 16? I was, I tried to leave um, on my own um, because my mom was just being erratic. She broke up with my boyfriend for me. Um, She quit my job for me, which I had a job and I was buying groceries for our house. Mm -hmm. And that meant there was no food. And so that was a problem. Plus that meant I couldn't go do anything. And um, she was always screaming, your father doesn't give me enough money. I don't have any money to do anything. I have nothing. He's just trying to make me die here. (laughs) It was... Oh, it was delusional, delusional, delusional all the time. Exhausting, she, yeah. It was. And so I took all my stuff one day after I walked home from the job I thought I was going to. I had worked in a video store. Um, and uh, I walked home. And that day I took all my stuff. I got garbage bags, filled it up. And I lived, I was on the third floor of the house. I dropped him out the window and then I went to take the garbage out and I asked my neighbor to let me put them in his driveway, which he did because mm-hmm. he was kind and he realized my mother was unwell. Yeah. Um, and then um, I told her I would like to call my father and that I wanted to leave because I couldn't take it anymore. Yeah. And she cried and yelled at me and said, this is not working. You're, you're kidding me. This is silly. And I was like, you're taking everything away from me that we need. Mm-hmm. And so she's like, well, why don't you just go to your friend's house? So she drives me to my, my friend's house, um, uh, which was really her friend's, her, a girl who I was allowed to spend time with. I wasn't allowed to have any relationship with anybody, by the way. Right. Um, but them, it was all about control for my mom. Let me tell you. And, um, uh, I went there and she wouldn't let me take the bags out of the car. And um, 
she then sent, uh, they had me go to school the next day. I went, I went to a Catholic school, just so you know, a private school. And uh, that afternoon, the police came and told me I had to go on a different bus and I had to go to my father's house, except I have nothing but my uniform on. Mm-hmm. That's all I own. Yeah. So everything was to take everything away from me. Well, if she's going to do this, I'm going to go through everything she has and make sure she gets nothing of value. Yeah. No, I've, I've heard this story before from other people. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So did you eventually make it to your father or no? Well, so my dad was dating some lady and living with her at that point and they were going to get married. And so I went to my grandmother's and I got the top bunk in a small bedroom and, um, my big brother had just come home from college and he had graduated. And so he had the bottom bunk, although he'll say he never shared a room with me, but we did. And he, I essentially got like a pile behind the bed and I had to kind of start new, except a week later, my mom said that my trial was over. If I liked what I was dealing with, then I can come get my stuff. And so I had a friend from work take me to my house and my mother then wouldn't let me in the house, called me a nasty whore and said that I don't deserve any chances. And so she gave me bags of things that weren't mine. Ah, um, well, this Catholicism is really working for everybody. I know. Right. <laughs> Jesus God. You guys Irish. Um, we are a whole bunch of things, but she's Irish and I, Irish and English. I don't know. I've, I've never completely understood my grandmother's background, mm-hmm. her mother. Um, she, she, I, as far as she never told us about it really completely. And it's taken a couple of years of digging, but I believe she was English. Was her mother like this? No, no. Her mother was like the life of the party. She was a woman who married divorced a man when her daughter was two in the 40s and 50s Mm -hmm. she was a real head turner by the way i think i think i look like her okay um and um she had another husband uh, who was like 30 years older than her and he was like a popular restaurateur in new jersey interesting that's really in new brunswick area um any of your brothers or sisters have any signs of bipolar no well maybe my little brother see i don't know you're not sure right right um yeah okay jesus so kelly you you expect and probably through therapy and talking to people who know better about stuff like this than you and i that some of your issues come from growing up in a scenario the way, like the one you just described. Correct. Okay. Um, and even though you were there for just the first 16 years, once you mm-hmm. left, I mean, what happened between 16 and 18? Did you just live at your grandmother's while you finished up school? No. Um, so it really, I had tried to keep that job where the person had helped me. Mm-hmm. And I really loved uh, working there. Um, but it meant like riding my bike 13 miles. Oh, geez. And so I started living at my boyfriend's house a little bit. 
and sleeping. Like I would, I would go home to my grandmother's house like Monday night. Mm-hmm. And then on, uh, if I had to work, I would maybe go back to my boyfriend's house on Thursdays and then I would sleep at his house. And then, you know, it was a, a bunch of stuff that went on, um, with me kind of hanging out with friends and staying at friends' houses rather than at my grandmother's house. Cause my grandmother was old and it was, I felt guilty because I felt like I was taking advantage of an old lady. Okay. I understand. So did you go to college then? I did, but I took a year off. So between 18 and 19, you took a year off and then, but you did go and completed college. Well, Okay. I did not complete college. Um, I went to um, school. um, ah, I was 19 when I graduated from high school um, because I was older because I stayed back in like second grade or Mm -hmm. something. And um, I was was still in the private school because it was in the divorce decree. My father had prepaid for everything. So I was still going to the private school I was going to. And then... um, uh senior year i got pregnant and um you know we uh did not uh continue that i understand um, I, okay yeah, yeah no I, I i understand i i started doing the math when you said it so okay um and then i i couldn't bear to go to school or do anything all i did was I kept my job. My boyfriend went off to a university that was far away. And uh, his mom was like, oh, you can live with me. It's okay. I love you so much. And I was just like, oh, I can't live with you. I can't even stand to be here. Right. What What part of the general general part of the country did you grow up in? I'm from New Jersey. You're from Jersey. Okay. This is a hell of a story, Kelly. It really is something else. And... Is there a moment ever in your 20s where you feel like I've I've gotten away from this and then no. you've never felt clear of it? So I just, um, I like a lot of people who have learning disabilities or disabilities in general, they tend to um, gravitate to trying to understand people. And sometimes that means making bad decisions, especially when you don't understand how to interact with people so well. Mm -hmm. And then I ended up with a man who was horrible, who abused me. Oh, I'm sorry. It was like, so before I left my mom, she did start using um, drugs and alcohol and she was doctor shopping is Mm -hmm. what I think she was doing. Mm -hmm. But because she couldn't afford the drugs she needed for her, um, rheumatoid arthritis. So she was, I mean, literally, and this is when I could do it. She'd, she'd pull up in front of the local liquor store and she'd say, here, bring this note in and get a 24 pack. And that 24 pack was every day. Oh, okay. She was drinking she, so, while she was drinking that much to get through the day. Was. Yeah. Yep. <clears throat> and then, um, do you think people, younger people even understand the concept of your parents sending you somewhere with a note? Like my, no. my my wife, my wife used to get sent to buy cigarettes with a note. Oh, she would she would smoke a pack a day too. Yeah. By the way. Um. So it was a lot of smoking, a lot of drinking, and then um, after I had moved out, and I I actually had cried to my dad to go to the court to try to save my little brother, 
And he just said, I just don't have the money to deal with your mom. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. Because we're all disposable, dad. That's great. (laughs) So, and my dad had lived, I, so in between there, I had moved in with my dad and his new wife. Mm-hmm. And she was worse than my mom. <laughs> Not something your dad could pick them. I, I know, but then you think about this. That was how I picked relationships. And I never really had a really good, healthy relationship because that that relationship with the boyfriend she made me break up, that was actually a really nice relationship. That's probably and- why she made you stop doing it. Well, yeah, and yeah. she didn't know a lot of stuff, and she she made this story up. She told me, I heard him talking to his friend in the backyard. He's going to try to have sex with you. You're not going to have sex. Let me tell you. I'm going to stop it. And I was like, okay. How, how old were you at that point? Um, I was 16. Did you already have sex with a kid? No. Oh, okay. Well, he was probably going to try to have sex with you, but that doesn't he mean, wasn't. That, that doesn't he mean wasn't. She... <laughs> I was trying to do that with him, and he told me no. Okay, that's an but interesting. But she move. didn't. She didn't know that. <laughs> she, no, yeah, no. I'm saying she uh, obviously made up the story, but it was a it was a reasonable guess, is what I'm saying for a right. for a 16 year old boy to be thinking about that. Correct. <laughs> What kind of, just generally, I don't need you to go very deeply, but uh, relationship in your 20s where you said it was abusive, was that physical or mental? Both. Both. How long were you in that? Oh, in and out for 10 years. Every time I'd get out, he'd like come back to my door. I mean, I had, and he was always like, oh, he was... I mean, the first time he hit me. Um, so I actually went off to, I went to the community college and then I had gone down to New Orleans to live. Mm-hmm. And then I um, was going to go into Tulane. And then I I had uh, been assaulted by a roommate. So I left and at, came at, home. At Tulane? Mm-hmm. Uh, we were in a house. We weren't oh, like, okay. okay, I see. I hadn't even really started school yet. And, and this was yeah. a, a sexual assault. No, no, it was a girl and she was my friend. And she just hate, like hit you that kind of thing. Uh, you don't have to tell me. me. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, it started months earlier over a guy. Mm-hmm. And I had, I was in college and I had a friend and this friend one day goes, Hey, you want to go to a Matthew Sweet concert? And I'm like, yeah, I want to go to a Matthew Sweet concert. And, uh, so I'm like, okay. Oh my God. He asked me out. Like, this is awesome. Right. And I get in the car and there's this other guy in the backseat seat. And I get in the front seat and he's like, hey, do you mind getting in the back seat? And I'm like, oh, yeah, no problem. And then we stop at somebody else's house and we pick up this other girl who then proceeds to stick her tongue down his throat. And I'm like, oh, I guess this isn't a date. (laughs) (laughs) So 
I'm seeing that I'm supposed to be with the other guy. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I wasn't used to that. And then we were very good friends for like two years and we were just only ever friends. And then one day I said to him, I said, I don't understand why you never, ever wanted to go out with me. Mm -hmm. And he said, I did. I asked you out, but you said that you wanted to stay single. And I said, yeah, like not get married. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, well, I perceived you wanted to be single, single. And I was just like, oh, great. And then he kissed me. And then my friend got upset because she apparently had started to become um, attracted to him, which she always knew that I was attracted to him. And it was like, why? (laughs) So she said, you either stop it or I'm not your friend anymore. And so I stopped it. Kelly, and I told my guy friend, sorry, bye. Yeah. Everything about your story is making me, not about you, by the way, just in general, because I live in the world too. All I can think is like, is everyone out of their mind? Like everyone? Do you know what I mean? Just and, and in different and spectacularly odd ways, like between, you know, interpersonal relationships and dating and you know, parenting and nobody can like, like no one in your life can come close to making a good decision. It, it's, it's fantastic. Like you've actually moved so far away from how you grew up. It's, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's laudable, honestly. Do, do you know what I mean? Like it's, it's, it's fascinating that you were able to get to where you are right now. Yes. Do you is. ever stop to just kind of celebrate that? I do. <laughs> I yeah. do celebrate that. Good, good. I mean, it's it's like you climbed out of six different pits, it feels like. It, I've. It feels like that to me, too. But sometimes people say that your stories are so outrageous that nobody will believe them. No, listen, I have no reason not to believe you. And and it, it makes sense if you kind of reverse engineer it. If, the, if you... At six years old, which, by the way, listen, I'm not a doctor. I wasn't a doctor in the 70s. I don't know what I'm talking about, but I've seen people put on Ritalin, and it wasn't good for them. And I could stand here and make a pretty solid argument that a six-year-old shouldn't be able to keep a single train of thought while talking to a bipolar woman and her husband who made six babies with her or five babies or whatever. Like, like, you know, it's, it's not like you were... It's not like you were being raised by the queen mother and, and you, you know what I'm saying? Like there was a lot of craziness from your mom. Like who, why are we, I mean, if I could put myself back in that moment, I don't think I would put your mother in charge of making a decision about whether or not to medicate you at six years old. Do you see what I'm saying? And, and, and so now you're in it, right? Well, listen, you were in it the minute they had you like, right. So you're in their hell and now you're being brought up with their ideas. You're being brought up with their, you know, limited ability to parent. And then they do it to more people by, you know, they have kids. And then you guys live in a bubble where this is happening. Your father gets more and more disillusioned and moves away. Your mom slides further and further into her mental illnesses, which makes your interactions worse and worse and worse. And then it's no doubt. It's just not a surprise 
that you would continue to end up with people like this. It's probably what you gravitate towards, even though you don't realize you're gravitating towards it. Like there were probably kids at Tulane that weren't going to hit you, but how the hell would you find them? Because that's not what you think of as the world. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. It it, it just feels like, it, it, you know, this thing breeds more of this thing. And then when you mm-hmm. try to leave it, you find more people like that. And then when you actually find people who aren't like that, that's probably when you don't deal well with other people. Well, the girlfriend, the girlfriend that assaulted me, she was like my best friend of like three years. And, and she, uh, I, she was my ride or die. Yeah. And, and I was living in her house with her a lot. Mm-hmm. Like I would come sleep with her at her house not like sleep with her I understood. Like, no not like that no, I, <laughs> but I like roll out a uh bed th- bed thing and i'd sleep next to her bed and it was and so like when it came to her, her the guy i was gonna choose her because she was my ride or die and she was like the only girl ride or die that i had ever had that kind of liked me mm-hmm I, maybe that's wrong. All I'm wondering is if you didn't grow up like this in this scenario, if when you got to college, your ride or die would have been a different person. Probably. Did, yeah. And like, what is it about? Like when you stop and think about it, it doesn't, it doesn't shock me that you were very good friends with a person who eventually could come to strike another person because I'm guessing that subconsciously we're all, drawn to people that we recognize somehow you know what i mean even if it's not like even if in your in your like functioning like conscious mind you're like look that's how my mom is i don't want to be around people like my mom like even if you know that when you start making small subconscious decisions about people and things i'm assuming you choose stuff that you're more comfortable with even though that comfort isn't good for you when I look back now, I can see that, but yeah, in the, in the in moment, it, I couldn't see it. Sure, I couldn't see it. And when she, when I left her, she she they the roommates all voted me out. I mean, I'm the one that got strangled and black eyed, and I got voted out of the house because they said I caused too much drama. When I didn't think I caused any drama, actually, I just kind of went to work and came home, and was saving to try to pay for my first semester. Yeah, and. Uh, and uh, so, yeah, that wasn't working. And so I never got to do that. And then I came home and she called me lots of names and said that I would never, ever do it, anything successful and a bunch of other things that she said to me. So that when I came home, there's this guy who was just looking for somebody to pick on, I guess. And you probably look the part at this point after having gone through these things so many times. Like, like, oh, I was so skinny, so I was, I, you know, I can look back at old pictures and be like, God, I was really pretty. And what was I thinking? I was so low on myself. I never, my mom used to t- call me a, a, she called me a fat whore oh, all the time. That's sweet. Um, and um, wh- what I was thinking was, is that predators can recognize prey. And you've yep. been preyed on by so many people that it probably it probably exudes from you and you don't even realize it. 
And mm-hmm. so they're like, okay, well, this one will be easy for me to manipulate or whatever it is they're thinking of doing. Probably. Yeah. Oh, that's terrible. It really is. I should have just stopped it. I don't, I didn't stop it the first. So I had moved back in with my grandmother Mm -hmm. and, um, she was, I mean, she's in her nineties. Okay. Wow. (laughs) And, uh, we had, it was just a couple of weeks after I moved back. So it was probably like February and he was doing stuff with somebody else. And I was just like, Oh, well, this is not like, well, I didn't know that. Well, Oh, dang and i dropped i was drinking a wine glass on my front porch and i was 21 at this point and um i dropped it and he said you you threw that at me you you purposely tried to hurt me and i'm standing i was like no i didn't i just i'm just so i'm a klutz i'm just a big klutz and i didn't you know you're just angry at me and then he uh he he like backslapped me hmm. and then i ran in my front door and he knocked me down and and um he choked me till i, I was unconscious and I woke up in my own bed with him behind me, making sure I was okay, telling me how much he loved me and all that stuff. And how he'd never do that. And, you know, thank God your grandmother didn't come out of her room. Oh, my God. It was like two in the morning. And, and it was just always from there on in. Because my sister lived with me at this time, too. And she was at, at one of the universities locally. Mm-hmm. And he would just say he could take them both out if I ever told anybody. So, so. He, he was willing to threaten to kill people around you if you talked about what happened, but he had to wait for something like the wine glass to fall to hit you, which hitting you is what he wanted to do. Like for, And it's got nothing to do with you, Kelly. I, I don't imagine you don't know that now, years later, but like he's got his own significant issue He's just waiting for anything that's an excuse for him to lash out the way he wants to lash out. Um, oh, it's just, it was constant after that. And yeah. then it was like, he used to get upset that I wouldn't pick him up. And I was like, I work too, you know, and that's my car. He didn't have a car at the time. And he's like, you're supposed to pick me up at this time and do this. And I was like, okay. Uh, it just, it was just easier to go along then have to put up a fight and have him threaten people in my life. And so, um, you know, I did it. And then one day I thought, Hey, let me do something. Cause I'm having this relationship and it's sick, I guess. And I'm trying to, you know, love this person, I guess. Cause this is what I'm stuck with. The, everybody in the world is like this. Apparently this mm. is what my, what my view is. That's how it's starting to feel for sure. That's yeah. pretty much how it feels. Yeah. And so I ran to a Starbucks in like two towns over and then came back and brought him coffee. And then the people in the office are like, yeah, he like left. You were supposed to be here earlier. He was looking for you. And I was like, okay, this is before cell phones. Okay. We, I had a pager, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I then find him walking home, which was way too far for him to walk, but he was going to do it apparently. And rather than call his parents, he, you know, call, called me and I didn't answer the phone and I didn't, you know, so, um, 
yeah, I picked him up and there's some construction and he's yelling at me and I'm like, Hey, I, I got you this coffee. I thought it would be a great surprise. I thought, you know, it'd be really nice. I even brought the people in your office, uh, some coffees. And I thought it was, I, I was just trying to surprise you with something sweet and kind. Mm-hmm. And he took my wallet and threw it at my head while I'm driving. And it went out the window in a construction zone. So then I stopped and crawled on the ground while all my stuff is on the road. Hmm. Nobody ever did anything, you know? It's demoralizing. It's terrible. I, um, I don't even, I mean, there's obviously nothing to say. It's just, it's, it's a mess. I, I don't know how you, I don't know how you got this far through it, to be perfectly honest. <clears throat> it's, um, you know, it's just one thing after another. And, uh, it was, yeah. yeah. But one day I, um, all by myself broke my leg. And I was standing on my front stoop reading my mail. Um, I had moved to my own apartment at that time because every apartment I lived with roommates with always told me he wasn't, a, he was not allowed to come to it anymore. They didn't like him. Mm-hmm. And I guess their way of trying to push somebody out of my life was to say, Hey, you can't live here anymore. If that person's here. So I finally found my own place. I'm reading my mail. I fell because I have spatial issues <laughs> And I broke my leg, but it was a hairline fracture. I could still walk, but it was so excruciatingly painful Mm -hmm. that he got to my house that night. And I said, do you think you can take me to the ER? He's like, you're fine. There's nothing wrong with you. And I go, do you, do you see the bruise on my leg? Can you take me to the ER? And uh, he's like, no, you're fine. And it was just, it was always like that. You're fine. And then within like two weeks, I went to my doctor's and I just cried so hard to her. And I mean, she knew what was going on. Right. She knew she, she, cause I was like, I'm so depressed. I'm this, or I had other things that would happen. Um, um, so, uh, she, she took me down to the ER and tried to admit me. To try to get you away from him in general? That and, and to get other help. things. Yeah. Okay. To get help. And I didn't understand what was happening. So I had to call my sister because I, if I was admitted, that would affect my job. And how was I going to pay my bills? I don't live with anybody and I don't have any support system. That guy is my support system at this point. Right. I'm so isolated. And my, my sister's husband's a psychologist in a hospital system. And he talked them out of it, and I went home. But in the process, I was required to join the Crisis Women's Center Mm -hmm. at the hospital. So every week, I had to show up at Overlook Hospital in Summit, New New Jersey. And, um, and, uh, yeah, I had somebody named Christine. And whether she knows it or not, she saved my life because she taught me how to talk to him and not get hit and to mirror behaviors to him. So I did what he needed me to do at the time. But then when it came down to breaking up, she always says, you're always trying to break up with him and you're trying to get out of the situation. And I, I said, yes, well, he has to think he's breaking up with you. He's got to break it off. And uh, so they taught me over four or five months of going every Tuesday that I, 
I would tell him, yep, I'm going to talk about you and how you treat me. And they said it holds him accountable for his behaviors. Um, and in the process of it, uh, he broke up with me. And I was 30 at this point. And um, he never stopped coming to my house or ringing my phone or checking on me at work. Just so you know. That until went on. I met my that, husband. Yeah, until you met your husband. <clears throat> I and I don't hus- even yeah. yeah Kelly, I don't even know what to say that it, it's a that it's necessary that a crisis center teaches you how to slowly break up with a lunatic. Like that's mm-hmm. just it's that 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 is necessary. I think says a lot. Really, mm-hmm. that's yes, terrible. Yes, it is. My God. Um, and that's what a lot of people don't understand about women in abuse. They want to get out. Why don't they get out? Because if they walk away from this person, this person's still behind them because they think they own you. He, he got married in those two years to somebody else. Hmm. Wouldn't leave me alone. Wow. So, yeah. I mean, yeah. listen, if you want the, the high level, um, takeaway from this ladies and i'm being serious here don't date guys that can't afford their own car i swear to you it's an indicator it just really is i don't know what in in a driving society if a guy's asking you for a ride i'm telling you there's something wrong that's all i i i don't mean to to to, uh to make light because i'm not i really feel like that's something that you should pay attention to as a as a red flag i helped him get a high-powered job don't Really? I don't think he, he didn't, he ended up driving a Porsche. <laughs> Jesus. I know. Wow. That's, that, that's just upsetting. <laughs> All right. Um, so. Well, okay. So Kelly, to get, you know, that's a long, th- that, that stuff, I guess, pretty, pretty far from your past. Not probably doesn't feel like it when you start talking about it, but you know, 15 years ago or more. So when you meet your husband and things are just normal, how do you, you, you're able to accept that? And just move on and be normal? No. No? <laughs> I'm, I'm just not a normal person, so I can't accept that. And I guess, I guess, I guess my, I don't know. I just, you know, I, I sing that song to myself from like Sound of Music. Somewhere in my youth or childhood, I must have done something good. <laughs> That's what helps? It does. Yeah. <laughs> I sing it to myself every time. I'm like, how did I get here? I wouldn't change a thing. I'm so glad I'm here because where I am, I'm, ha- I'm very happy. I've and I didn't know what normal was until I met my husband, and then he's just, just really nice, intelligent guy. Mm-hmm. And so I, when he, by the way, just so you know, when he asked me to marry him, I said, "You don't even know me. I'm crazy. I have ADHD. Do you know I have ADHD?" And I'm dyslexic. I mean, I walk into things all the time. I'm a huge klutz. Are you sure you're ready for that? <laughs> Listen, I, he's I, like, yeah, you should not have done that. You should have said, well, this guy seems normal. I'm definitely going to start trying to hang around with normal people. <laughs> well, at that point in time, I didn't, I wasn't sure he was normal though. Cause I actually did. I did date like numerous people. And the first minute they did like anything controlling or anything weird, or anything, just anything. I was like, bye, sorry, nope. Yeah. 
So it was it was like two years of me dating while that other guy is still following me around, calling me and showing up at my house on random moments. Yeah, and it's, a, it's a weird I, split. What's interesting? Well, it's interesting because your life is beginning to split in two different directions, but it took a very long long time for that Velcro to pull apart because the guy, yeah. the 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 bad boyfriend person was still trying to stick to you and you were trying to go in a different direction and that's i mean it's amazing that you were able to and it sounds like you know with a lot of help from people uh i did i've always had angels out there yeah helping me that's and that was one of those weird things it's so weird i'm not um i know i'm catholic but i'm not religious but you remember that boyfriend i was telling you about the the one my mom made me break up with yes when I broke up with, well, when that guy broke up with me, but really I broke up with him in a very long, elated way of doing things. No, elated, elaborate mm-hmm. way of doing things. Um, I started having dreams about my ex-boyfriend of, of that time. And what I hadn't known is the day that he broke up with me was the day that, that he died. Wait, wait, hold on, stop. Tell, start over. Which boyfriend? The, the boyfriend my mom broke up with because when she you were said like sixteen. He was sixteen. The boy who wanted to have sex with you. But no, she he said, didn't want to have sex she with said. me. I wanted to have yeah. That she said yeah. He died. Yep. He died when cancer. When he was twenty nine. Oh my god! I didn't know. But the day that my relationship ended with the bad guy. Mm-hmm. I had been dreaming about him for a little bit. Um, the first, the the first boyfriend. I mean, really, honestly, he was my first boyfriend, and um, I had been dreaming. And he always had told me, you know, I, I he had always said he'd love me, you know, and stuff like that. Uh, and I even had had kept up with him over the years, even right. though I was dating other people. Mm-hmm. He had, um, you know, he had still been my friend, and then when he met his wife i guess he had come to my house and he had said something to me um you know i met somebody and i wanted to just make sure it was okay that this is the way i'm going because this may be something and i didn't know what he was asking me i think i was like 1920 right and i was like i don't know what you're asking me cuz we're not together and he's like well i'm just checking if we couldn't be together and i was just like i'm like you live so far away from me i don't think this would work i'm in college i'm just trying to be free i mean i'm just trying to be free at this point because i i had such a tumultuous relationship with the previous guy kelly i have to tell you if you would have gotten back together with him and he passed away at 29 from cancer i would have thought that's on brand for kelly you you know like i'm actually the whole time you're talking i'm thinking the diabetes for your son is on brand like because you must have just like been like oh my god is this like this stuff never going to stop. You, you know what I mean? Like just, I mean, cause you're, you're, you're built a life, you're doing it now. And then your son gets diagnosed. I would have been, I mean, I'm asking how, how did that strike you at that time? So, um, part of that relationship where I was abused was a lot of abuse in the car. And, um, so when this happened, so, you have to understand what my, my husband's job is first. Okay. My husband works at sea. He's a merchant mariner. Okay. He's a, a chief engineer on a ship. Okay. 
Okay. And so he leaves for like 10 to 12 weeks at a time. Sometimes the longest he's left is 141 days. Wow. And I'm by myself. And um, so we had gone, his dad likes to sometimes, sometimes he would, he flies out of where we live or he'll, we have to drive down if he would, depending on which port he has to go to, mm-hmm. we drive to like, like Elizabeth or something, New Jersey, Yeah, um, that port. And um, so I was meeting my father, father-in-law in Newburgh, um, New York, because that was kind of midway for us. And he would take him the rest of the way to New Jersey. And we would, we sometimes go to like a, a, a local popular inexpensive breakfasty kind of place, like not a diner, but a popular, you know, I'm trying not to say the name. Oh, sure. And so we had gone there that morning and I was leaving my husband with my father-in-law and my son is sitting across me and he orders a plate of pancakes and he's six. No, granted, he's a big kid, by the way, because mm-hmm. um, I'm six foot. My husband's six too, so yeah. we're not small people. And um, he ate three huge pancakes, and then he asked for my father-in-law's pancakes, and he ate those too, those four pancakes. And then he took my soda, and he took the toast that was on the table and anybody's sausage or bacon or anything they had, anything that was left over, he asked to eat. Wow. And I, I was like, what is, what is up? And um, so he had, we thought I had had him at a doctor's office twice in the last couple of days, but we have to, we have to bring daddy to work, you know? Mm -hmm. So this is what we do. And we drove down to what, drop my husband with my father-in-law and I said, you know, I'm going to go to target afterwards because we don't live anywhere near where there's a target. Just so you know, there are places, (laughs) there's no targets. And, um, every time I tried to go shopping, we had to go back to the bathroom. It was like literally every five minutes. I don't even know what his blood sugar was, but he was graying. He was, it had to go to the bathroom so much that I was like crying. I pulled over on the way home like six times so he could, I had a minivan so he could pee out the door. Right. On a that highway. Must, that must've been a major fun highway. He, I, there's no way he didn't love that. Right. <laughs> he probably did. Oh, oh my God. You're saying it now. And I'm like, I want to do that. <laughs> I wish I could, but I hear you can, if you get this certain little cup thing, well, I'm I just saying, now as a female. I would find that freeing. I believe the pull over on the highway and just pee out the door of a minivan. <laughs> Pretty much. But I, you know, yeah, things are bad. Six years old and I'm a spastic. I have a two year old in the back. And then I have at my, at that time, my other, my other child is eight. And we had had a rough time with her the previous year because she had a burst appendix. So I'm like super on guard mommy. Holy let no. me tell you. I'm feeling up my son's belly. Is this tight? Does this hurt? Does this <laughs> every day at this point, every mm-hmm. time he gets sick, that's what I would do. And he's like, no, I'm fine. I was like, but then why do you have to pee so much? <laughs> so I actually had had gestational diabetes um, during my third pregnancy. Okay. For my two year old. And uh, I had, uh, so here's one of my ADHD moments. When I went into the hospital to be trained by the nutritionist, who also apparently is a type 1 diabetic, 
I was giggling because at that time, my son was three, three to four, somewhere between there. And he had just gotten diagnosed with global dyspraxia, but they had suggested I modify his diet to make sure he wasn't allergic to anything red, to make sure he wasn't allergic to this because he had always had stomach problems, like eternally crying stomach problems Mm -hmm. that his stomach hurt. And this is years before he got diagnosed, you know, and it was just even as a baby, always crying, always giving something for his stomach, always. I never slept anyway, because and then I had another child. So um, it was just take this food away, take that food away. We, we, we went gluten free for a year. <laughs> it did nothing. Um, we took all any kind of things with dyes. We did all this stuff. And um in the process of going to learning about nutrition, I sat there with this um, nutritionist who's telling me that I have to do all this stuff. And he's looking at me. He's like, why are you laughing? And I'm like, so many months pregnant. And I'm just laughing because I don't know how to react to all the different diet things now I had to do that I was already doing for my kid. And I was like, this, I'm laughing because life is funny. <laughs> Buddy, because this, as bad as I all this is, I've been through worse. What do you think of that? Yeah. But I didn't say anything. I just, I was uncomfortable. I was very uncomfortable. A, this guy was pretty hot. <laughs> B, I'm embarrassed. And C, I'm inappropriate at this point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I say nothing. I just sat there, like smiled and laughed a little. And I was just like, so um he had told me some things some signs that i had to look for and these were all the signs that my son was having yeah and he didn't know that he saved my son's life by telling me this stuff so several years later guess who's our pump trainer the hot guy yeah By the way, if girls are uncomfortable around hot guys, I think this explains why people are so comfortable around me. <laughs> I, I just oh. realized that now when you were saying, I was like, oh, the, no one's ever been uncomfortable. Oh, then I was like, I get it. All right. I see. Um, so, okay. Are you, in, I'm dying to know, are you incredibly good at diabetes or do you struggle with it? Well, I hyperfocus. That's what and I'm so thinking. I spent the first couple of months figuring everything out and while my kid is mdi i kept him so he's never been a number one he was diagnosed at 410 number two his a1c was uh 7.8 a diagnosis Mm -hmm. so i caught this early pretty early yeah because of the guy in my nutrition meeting right and then um It just, it saved his life. And I then went down the rabbit hole of diabetes. I didn't even, I knew of you because I diagnosed this, my doctors, the nurse practitioner gave me your name, the uh, CD, CD. She gave me your juice box and listened to juice box podcast. But at that time we didn't have cable. We, we didn't have any of that stuff. We had HughesNet, which is a satellite. Okay. And I didn't have enough data to listen to you. <laughs> That's a... all right. There's <laughs> so... nothing I can do about that, Kelly. That can't be my problem. But I, I understand the idea. Wait, what hospital, by the way? Albany Med. Albany Med. Okay. 
And Albany Med Pediatrics um, Endocrinology is our doctor, and they are amazing. Nice. Um, we see a nurse practitioner, Christine Wolfhart, and she is an amazing um, endocrine uh, NP, and she's awesome. And so is Nurse Nancy and Kristen, all of them. They are awesome. But <laughs> let nice. me just toot them. Yeah, absolutely. They're born. And um, so we, we, we also, you know, Alex... Uh, I shouldn't have said it. Well, Alex is my son. Okay. Alex um, has, uh, I don't know. I've always been able to handle this. I've always managed. I, there was a lot of sleepless nights. Let me, let me tell you. Sure. But those sleepless nights were spent. I like literally stayed up for like five days straight when he was diagnosed and just read, 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 read. And here's the hyper-focus. I can read that stuff if I have a desire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it was constant and within um so two days after we came back from the hospital um my son started vomiting and i called up nurse nancy and she she was like well you you know just just do straight um basil and um just give him sips of soda or sips of drinks and just stay there with him but you have to make sure he gets insulin so drink insulin, check blood sugar. And I was like, okay, okay, I got this. And I'm, I'm like freaking out. I sat next to him, his bed on the floor the entire two days that he was sick. I kept him out of DKA. I kept him below 200. And um, he just had a stomach virus. It was just a fluke. Hmm. But um, when he was diagnosed, one of the the big, of course, you know, he had to be diagnosed on a day that was like an eight inch snowstorm. <laughs> and uh, I had no coverage for my kids at home because my husband had left to go to work. Yeah. And was already in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean. At this point, he, he has the um, the global dyspraxia diagnosis already or. Yep. Yeah, that's already. That. And, and am I understanding that correctly? I'm looking online here. It's also referred to as clumsy child syndrome. Yep. Confused matters, more developmental dyspraxia. Basically, DCD refers to an overall motor incoordination. Yep. Like, like bumps into things. But So when he was 10 months old, he broke his arm. Okay. And we, we couldn't even figure out how he broke his arm because um, we had our mattress on the floor and he had kind of crawled off the bed at me. I, it was like 11 o'clock at night and I just went to the bathroom mm-hmm. and yes, my kid slept with me in the bed. Um, and that's just what we did. Um, because he never slept anyway. Uh, so yeah, he broke his arm, had a buckle fracture in his, I think it was his right arm. Yeah. yeah. In, his, in his wrist, right. That's where you get those. Yeah. Yeah. And he had a lot of accidents that were just really fluke. Like when he was like two, I don't even know how he cut himself. He found a way to cut his hand so bad that he had to get stitches. And Hmm. I was like, I was, all I did was walk around the house and we were playing hide and go seek and with my daughter. And I was like, I don't even know what you touched. Yeah. Like I couldn't find it, but I found bloody hand marks on the back door. And I was like, what happened? Where's my kid? (laughs) You know? And uh, yeah, it was just always, awkward things. And at this time, my daughter was getting speech therapy and she was three ish. Yeah. Th- two to three. She got speech therapy and he was like 10, 11 months old. And the therapist looked at me 
and uh, Katie was her name. And she goes, Hey, Kelly, there's, there's just something not right about Alex. Can um, just, he's not meeting, he's not meeting the milestones the way he should be. And I was like, well, the doctor says, you know, everybody's different. (laughs) So I was like, yeah, everybody's different. (laughs) And she, we then got him some help after he was age one, the the health department came in and assessed him and he got speech therapy from Katie and both my kids at the same time. And they were both helped, but then all of a sudden he qualified for occupational therapy. And so they come to your house where I live and they do that. And it's all covered through the health department because they're trying to help kids get to where they got to. Right. And we're always going to developmental pediatrician at this point in Albany. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, wow. um, slowly we got a diagnosis over two years after a lot of assessments. And then my son um, has for most of his life had uh, yoga therapy, occupational therapy, physical therapy, because he also seems to have hyper joint mobility issues too. Okay. And he's, he grows so exceedingly fast also, which is a little bit unusual, but it's, it's good. But he, if he was to do like, say he was to run down the road, he fatigues so much. His knees and joints hurt so bad. um, He stops and he his blood sugar drops like really fast at okay. that point. So more uh, abnormally than a normal person or so a normal type one diabetic. How many? He, I'm sorry. Good. I was gonna say he just everything is quicker, faster. Um, he fatigues. He gets shaky even before diabetics because of the the global dyspraxia. Hands shaking um they they once told me he'll never be able to ride a bike he rides a bike now Mm. he'll never be able to play with legos he plays with legos he'll never be able to write his name right well give him time he still has in my experience men don't have the prettiest handwriting so you know (laughs) well i'm seeing here (laughs) symptoms of this can include poor balance poor posture fatigue clumsiness difference in speech perception problems poor hand-eye coordination yeah his speech was really delayed I mean, when he would say, I have videos of, when I look back at videos um, back when, when he would say, like he would talk like that. Right. It was, it was different. So here's the thing, global dyspraxia, just like everything else, there are, everybody has, there's a severity level and uh, less of a severity level. And every time they've said, we can't do something, he does it. Yeah. Harry Potter has this. The actor, yes. the actor, yeah, interesting. Yes, a lot of people do. Right? No, it, actually, the thing I was reading says that five to eighteen percent of the population may have it. Yep, that's interesting. And All right, I, I believe it comes under the bracket of dyslexic diseases or developmental mm-hmm. delays, not disease. And so it. Not that I haven't enjoyed this, but back to my original question from ten minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> how Sorry, are you, I have ADHD. Uh, no, 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 it's funny. I was having a good time. Um, uh, how how do you end up managing? Like, do you hit your goals for his blood sugars? What are your goals? So here's the deal. I keep his goals uh, 85 to 180 mm-hmm. because um, we, uh, the doctor and I have talked about it a lot of times. Like when I'll check him, 
his blood sugar is always significantly lower than the Dexcom says. And we think that there's, so here's the thing that goes with this. He also has like, it's not gastroparesis, but it's a slowing of the intestines. But we've started to think that it has actually everything to do with global dyspraxia, not diabetes. The, like all the motor skills, motor movement throughout the body is less. So um, we think that uh, he, it, his, his blood flow and everything might just be slightly slower, slightly so, less. His so the process of his waist coming out is slowed? Uh, yeah. Okay. But he, like I said, he always had stomach issues. He's always had so many issues with the stomach mm-hmm. before we even got diagnosed. So it was always trying to figure out what he was allergic to. They did allergy testing. They said mm, pretty much nothing might be sensitive to milk. Have you tried, I'm, I'm going to end up saying this a lot because it's been helping Arden, but have you tried something simple like a digestive enzyme along with his meals to see if it moves things through better? You mean a probiotic? Mm, no, it's more specifically. There's, there's like digestive enzymes. There's, um, you take them right along with the meal, and it's, no, I haven't tried this. Yeah, I'll take the suggestion though. It's worth Happily. a shot. I mean, you just kind of pop them with your with your food. Um, okay. And then if he's not um, eliminating on a good schedule. Um, adding maybe like magnesium oxide might be valuable. We have added magne- magnesium oxide. We did add magnesium. I don't know if it's oxide though. Ch- check that. It's just mag- magnesium. Um, and so he gets uh, leg pains, a lot of leg pains throughout his life. He's mm-hmm. always had severe leg pains, but he's also, he's 11 and he's 5'11". Yeah, it's hard to know. Well, double yeah. check the magnesium because there's a, num- a couple of, different versions and magnesium oxides what you're looking for to go to the bathroom more frequently um well, they have him on miralax eternally like he just takes miralax every day because if he doesn't he has that whole slowing and so he'll go super high mm-hmm. and then when he actually eliminates he'll go super low but yeah. for him it's like i've found him at like 29 so like quickly I, it happens fast it does. Yeah, because his body, what he empties out, then his blood sugar drops, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they have him on a laxative. Does the laxative work or not really? It does. It does. So, um, and everybody swears it's not bad for him. I've read a lot of reports. I've gone back and forth, but this is what helps. And I don't really enjoy the low blood sugar like that. No, of course. So, um, like, I will go in there and he, it, it will say he's 85 and he might be, like, 40. So, and it's harder. And his A1C has always, since diagnosis, his uh, first visit after being diagnosed, he was 6.2. And then he was 5 point, I believe it was 5.6. But... um Last di- uh, last uh, A1C was 5.6. The one before that was 5.2. We've always stayed between 5.2 and 5.6. Am okay. I a maniacal c- controlling person? I might be. Um, but I also, we loop also mm-hmm. at this point. Sounds like you're doing um, well. It really does. Yeah. We don't have a lot of side effects with things, but I take things a little bit more serious than other people do. And my husband just backs me up. He's the tech guy. Mm-hmm. 
because he, he he codes on his own anyway, building systems and stuff. And I am, I'm I'm just more medically capable. That was what I was going to go to school for. So, gotcha. Well, here's something very quick about magnesium. I'm reading from a Healthline article. Because of its low absorption rate in your intestines, magnesium oxide may lead to digestive effects like diarrhea. So if you're not going, it gets you moving. Um, Mm -hmm. It's strong laxative effects are why it's commonly used to treat constipation. Jumping ahead a little in the article, in contrast, magnesium citrate, magnesium acetaltarate, magnesium malate, and magnesium glycinate all have high absorption rates and are more effective at increasing magnesium levels. So if you're trying to actually bring your magnesium level up, you don't use oxide. But if you're mm-hmm. trying to make yourself go to the poo-poo, oxide's the way to go. And sometimes doctors get that messed up. So check the yeah, magnesium well, to make sure you have the right one. So we're not using magnesium to help them go number two. We're but, using the magnesium to stop the leg pain. Is it? But is it working for that? Yes. Okay, good. Well, then maybe That's, maybe you could do some magnesium oxide in addition. Yeah, it would be my yeah. it is what I would wonder. Um, and digestive enzymes are. I'm just going to pick one that I'm aware of. Hold on a second. It's a company called Pure that makes it. I mean, a lot of people make them, but I'm choosing that one to try to find the find what's actually in it for you um why will it not tell me give me a second You must be thrilled that like something about your personality is actually helping with something like with the, the diabetes, actually, right? That's pretty cool. I am ex- it's very encouraging. Um, and because of my searching, because of my hyper-focusing, which actually I'm trying to kind of get away from. Oh, sorry, that's my text messages. That's okay. That's what happens when you get a text? Yeah, that's my, I right. love the, I love that, that movie. <laughs> What's it from? I couldn't hear it. It just sounded like kids. Um, what is it? Um, oh, what is that guy? Steve Carell movie. This is how I do things. Oh, when they rip it's off a Steve the Carell hair? cartoon. Oh, a cartoon. The cartoon, the Steve Carell movie, where he's he's the bad guy, but he's really the good guy, and he adopts his little girls. Oh, he's uh, Gru. In um, like Gru, mi- yeah, minions so, and stuff like that. That's the little girl screaming. I'm so happy about my unicorn (laughs) (laughs) all right so i'm looking specifically at the pure encapsulations version of the digestive enzymes they they list 391 milligrams of proprietary uh, enzyme blend amylase protease protease 6 glycomylase lactase lipase beta glycinate i'm not i'm butchering these words invertus Cellulose, alpha, galatosa, oh my goodness, protease three, uh, phytase. And people who know how to pronounce these are probably like, way to go, Scott. Uh, hemocellulose. So I don't know, honestly, what any of that is. What I can tell you mm-hmm. is that Arden was digesting her food slowly. And we went to a regular doctor who, like, 
immediately turned us off by like acting like she was going to need pain medications and all this stuff. And we were like, wait, what the hell? Like this all seems very like, um, like a big leap, you know, not something she'd want to do. So we added these, um, these enzymes to her meals and the magnesium oxide to her diet to help her go better. And, um, she had a real great like change. Um, we bumped into a little bit now when she's at school, there's so much fried food in the cafeteria that she's starting to kind of like, even though she's taking this stuff, she's having some trouble. So we actually talked to her last night and said, you know, let's cut things out with oil and fried stuff. Like, and she's like, that's going to be hard here, but do that. Um, and I think she's got some stress too at being at college, you know, for the first time. Mm-hmm. So, but I'm telling you that for months, this was when she was on a reasonable diet at the house, this stuff was helping just a million percent. So it's yeah. not, not expensive and it's worth giving a shot to. Yep. So good luck. Yeah. Uh, I don't, we don't even do any fried foods here really, yeah. really ever. Yeah. We, we don't, we don't normally either. And then, you know, she's, I think she's realizing like she's picking stuff up in the cafeteria and she's not paying attention to how it's cooked. And so we had that conversation last night to pay attention to that. Yeah. Um, but that's how you get the freshman 10. Well, it's how you, it's definitely how you eat a bunch of oil that you don't realize you're eating and it's not good for you and hard for your body to process. So, um, Kelly, let me ask you if there's anything we haven't talked about that you meant to, because we're up on time. Oh, um, oh, I was going to tell you about the diagnosis when he was diagnosed Go and ahead. how that affected my yeah complex, complex PTSD. Tell me. Because when he was diagnosed, I had to leave him at the hospital without me mm-hmm. to go home because I had had to, uh, had to ask my brother-in-law to come get my daughter from school. I see. And I had my two-year-old with me. And I don't do hospitals very well at all um, since, since forever. Um, but because I was so highly abused in a car... I couldn't get in the car to go home. I had to like work myself into the car to get home, to leave him. I see. And it was a struggle and it really affected me. And it was like the first time that I had to deal with uh, the abuse in years. Oh, I see. Okay. So the PTSD kind of just triggered you and then it brought back your desire to not be in a vehicle because this is where the guy would yell at you and hit you. And so mm-hmm. when your son's diagnosed, it, it you get, you know, whatever happens happens. And then all that stuff comes back. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's interesting. And that's like the first time I actually had to kind of confront a little bit of it with my husband. Oh, because all of a sudden you can't get in a car and that doesn't make any sense to your husband. No, uh, for years I've told him, please don't speed around corners and stuff. It, I get like, I get like, I guess I get nauseous. Okay. I get nauseous in the car. But if I'm driving a car, I have no problem. There's some control things. Um, but when I was leaving that day, I just broke down and fell on the ground and I just couldn't deal with getting in the car. And I'm, I'm putting a two-year-old in the back seat, going, I can't believe this is happening and I can't believe I have to leave my kid. Mm-hmm. And I can't believe I have to trust these strangers, which I don't trust anybody because of all my experiences. Sure. And I just struggled so much just to get in my car and 
drive. And then, of course, it's snowing. <laughs> eight, eight inches. It took me, it's usually only an hour drive to Albany, but it took me like three hours to get home mm-hmm. and then three hours to go back Yeah, to be with my kid. Uh, oh, and that makes that sense. Rough. Yeah. But so it makes sense that it takes longer. And at the same time, you're, you're staying away from him longer because it's taking you longer, which is also making you upset. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's Absolutely. a vicious circle. It is, but uh, yeah, I, I just focus on everything and that's what it is. And he's got a lot of support at school. He has a one-on-one aid with him 24 seven. Yeah. He's a smart, smart kid, right. by the way. No, I imagine. He's a smart kid. He, he doesn't believe that he's smart because he's always been stuck in those um, special classes with other kids. Yeah, I understand that. And that's a little frustrating and this is probably the first year that he's actually moved into the normal population completely. No, oh, good for him. That's excellent. So, yeah. And but he has an aid because with the global dyspraxia in his hands, he sometimes shakes and he can't the the fine motor skills just when he's in a situation, you can't tell if it's the diabetes or if it's global dyspraxia. Oh, I see. And so, so he may-, may need somebody to dial into his phone for him. Okay. Oh, oh, I do understand that. Okay, and so somebody, he has an aid for that. Yes, he does. Oh, that's excellent. He has an aid 24-7. And, you know, the nurses are always just, because he's also coming into his own where he wants to do everything himself. Mm-hmm. And it's been a bit of a struggle. And recently we've been dealing with some like, hey, you know, um, we are not with you. And this, the sitter didn't know that you gave yourself six units of insulin why did you give yourself six units of insulin and then take another 14? No, geez. Yeah. Oh, (laughs) within a half an hour. Right. And he was like, well, and he's like, I'm like, yeah, tell me that you deleted something in there. Cause I'm thinking you did. (laughs) He's like, well, and I'm like, we don't really like using Basquami, but it's just little things like that, that he wants to take on himself. And I'm bold with insulin, like you. But he's struggling. He's struggling to do stuff he's, like that. He's struggling to do stuff on his own because, you know, he's he's 5'11", and all this responsibility is put on him, and people think he's way older than he truly is. He's 11. Yeah. And it's uh, it's a power struggle recently. Right. And, um, he's got I the body, but not the mind for it yet. Correct. Yeah. Watch this and happen to my niece, by the way. I hope this doesn't seem... Like I'm turning this into a story about me, <laughs> but um, to reference the beginning of our conversation, but uh, my niece got really tall very quickly and it was hard not to treat her like she was older because standing in front of you, it felt like she was. It's interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, 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 I see that. And then he's so, got this other plus the hand-eye coordination thing and everything else that's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I mean, developmentally, he's he's. He's more where he should be developmentally, um, but he's all masculine and he wants to be a tough guy kind of thing. Right. You know? he's yeah. The only boy here when dad's away. <laughs> and it can be a little overwhelming on me. And, and more recently, I mean, literally in the last two months, he went from 5'9 to 5'11. Five, and it's like when I say, hey, you actually have to take care of your room. And if that means filling your diabetes shelf up with your stock that means you doing it right (laughs) and it's just you know 
I got stuff you. like that. I hear. Okay. All right, Kelly. Well, I can't thank you enough for sharing this with me. I'm sorry to to push you away real quick, but I have to jump on a different phone call. So I'm I'm You're good. I'm up on my time. But I um I don't know why I didn't realize this was gonna be an after dark episode, but here we are. Um it definitely is. And uh I'm I mean I'm I don't obviously I telling you I'm sorry for what happened in your life is meaningless, but it was it was nice of you to to share it with everybody so that they can uh they can can listen along and maybe, you know, recognize some things that have happened to them or to other people in their life. So I appreciate it very much. Thank you for having me. No, it was And I'm happy and I'm safe and I'm sound. No, I know. It's the hardest thing about these conversations um, when people go back into their past to relive things, you can kind of get like you can think like, oh, that's happening right now. But you were describing stuff that had happened to you in the past, which is obviously incredibly impactful and it's impacted the rest of your life. But at the same time, you're not in that crisis at this exact moment, but no, I'm in a great place. Yeah, you absolutely. Are. There's hope for yeah. everybody out there. There's hope, get help in a domestic violence crisis center. Yep. They are there to help you. They will get you through it. And they give you a lot of cool. um, work for you to get through yeah. life. And then I've just, I've just isolated myself more and how could you not during the pandemic? But mm-hmm. Um, I live on a homestead, I homestead and I have chickens and there's goats down the road and horses and cows and I farm. Nice. That's excellent. And I kept thinking while you were talking how 20 more years from now, how much farther away that'll feel. Um, it will. A huge thank you to one of today's sponsors, Gvoke Glucagon. Find out more about Gvoke Hypopen at gvokeglucagon.com forward slash juice box. You spell that G-V-O-K-E-G-L-U-C-A-G-O-N dot com forward slash juice box. I'd also like to thank InPen from Medtronic Diabetes and remind you to go to InPenToday.com and of course, touchedbytype1.org, a really sincerely wonderful organization that you should learn more about. Touched by type1.org. Thank you so much for listening. I'll be back very soon with another episode of the Juicebox Podcast.